podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. And this is true We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging In fact, don't take it seriously We're only bugging Welcome to the Whistleblowers My name's Stuart Wright And sign up and deposit up to £50 And Labrooks will put the same amount into your account Giving up to £50 worth of free bets Simply follow the link bet.thewhistleblowers.net in the show notes. Whew. Welcome back to part two, like like we've never been away. Yeah. Um, welcome to the podcast, David Seager. Hello, David. Hello. Author of Clopite, One Man's Quest to Turn Doubters into Believers. I believe it. And Richard Foster, author of Football's Flaws and Foibles. Good evening. We Again. Love, we, love, we love the sport, but it has many. Yes. Do you want to give us one of your, uh, one of your, what, the one that was nailed when you when you first were drawing up your list of four million? Yeah, the one that was like, <laughs> this is going in no matter what happens with it, with my conversations with the editor. Okay, well, uh, plane protests um, was one of the ones that just used to send me mad that anyone would have the either the money or the idea to do that. But I think one of the other ones that really got me, and I, I, it's been. It has been publicised a bit, half and half scarves, but they've gone beyond ridicule. I saw one where they had the managers as a half and half scarf. And as I understood it, the origins of a half and half scarf were to commemorate a big game. So it was in Europe, I think Celtic were one of the first teams to do it. So let's say Celtic Barcelona. But when you see Hull West Brom half and half scarf, who on earth is going to buy an half and half Or a special relationship. I remember the 80s, you had Liverpool, Yeah, and Chelsea, Rangers and all that sort of stuff. But in my research, I also found out that these actually came out of Rugby Union. And as we were talking earlier, maybe not our favourite game uh, (laughs) and certainly shouldn't be learning lessons from Rugby Union about friendship and all that sort of stuff. Because what really hacks me off about rugby, if I could just go on a tangent here, is they, they gouge their eyes out, they rake themselves to bits, but then they have a pine afterwards that everything's okay. What a load of tosh. Now, we're on the eve of, of Liverpool's home tie against Maribor in the Champions League, yeah. David. Um, and surprisingly, given the crisis Liverpool are in, they're top of the group, aren't they? they are, it's a weird group. That when, when it got drawn out, obviously I looked at the draw initially when, when, it, uh, when it came, or before the draw, and looked and thought, God, the teams we could possibly get, this could be a really hard group. And then when they came out, it was like, that couldn't have been handpicked mm. better. It was no. such, a, such a good group. But it's such an easy group that we haven't even done well in it, and we're top. That's that's how easy the group is, and um, yeah, it's a bit like an England qualifier, group, exactly like an England yeah. qualifier. Um, and Maribor are the San Marino. Um, yeah. No, no. How, how, how is thinking of what you studied of Klopp over the last two years? How does what he's doing in the Champions League reflect what you understood about how Klopp might approach taking Liverpool into Europe? Well, he's. I mean, obviously, he had had the uh, success with well, success got to the final with with Dortmund uh, in twenty. 12 I think it was um and but coming into this season he had he'd had the the Europa League experience where he got again got got to the final 
learned through that and then coming into this season I think he I think you can see from from the way he's approached certain league games that he's made certain allowances for the fact that they're now in Europe and that they've got to take it seriously I mean he's been he said in his press conference uh, today that even though obviously Maribor what happened in the first leg would suggest that they're not very good maybe they can be underestimated mm. um that he w- won't do that and he's suggested that Maribor are nowhere near as bad as they appear they to be they got the draw in Chelsea which is they, all they did remember, don't and, they, and they, they got a, a draw with um Spartak Moscow in the first match day and then Spartak Moscow went and hammered Sevilla so it's mm. one of those where you don't know maybe it was just a bad day for them and they will be yeah. a lot better on Wednesday but I think he's I think he's he's certainly prepared for this season uh with with decent success in the Champions League in mind and it looks Richard like all of sort of England's representatives are going into the next phase. Yeah, which you know we. So when you look sure. at the recent history, that hasn't really happened, no, no, does it? No, and it, you know, we, I think it was probably five or six years ago we we got three into the quarterfinals or something. Yeah. But since then, it's been pretty awful. And you have know, we caught up, or has, has Europe fell to our standards? I don't know really. Um, I think you look at you know the top four who are always going to be the top four. Um, they're very strong sides, but I think you've all got good squads now. Mm. Whereas before, maybe the first team was great, but if you got onto the squad, it wasn't so good. So, you know, all that money that's flushing through, and obviously Man City spent a huge amount of money. Chelsea spent a fair amount of money. You know, every, everyone spends money. Man United spend money. Mm. And, and, you know, they just add, you know, that if they sell anybody, they're probably surplus to requirements. So, You've got, rather than 12 good players, you've got 16, 17. Mm. And that's what you need if you're playing in Europe. I mean, how would I know? Palace have never... Oh, but we played them once um, through the... But, but what you described, though, if you, think of, if you think of what Liverpool's fortune was in the group, they got Celtic getting PSG and Bayern Munich to yeah. try and oust yeah. to get through would seem like the impossible task, which it's proving to be. Yeah. It's what you get from being a Scottish team. They've... Uh, I'm sure that's probably why they want to come down to uh, play in England, so they could uh, they can possibly get a higher seeding. But yeah. the it's yeah it's horrible for them. I mean, every single season it always always seems to be whenever there's a match day on where you think maybe two of the English teams are playing lesser teams, and you think I don't really fancy watching that. You can always rely on watching Celtic because they're invariably playing Barcelona or mm, Bayern yeah, yeah, or PSG yeah. or someone. And yeah, it's just it's it's rotten luck, I suppose. But in, on the other hand, you kind of think well, that's the only way they're going to improve, I suppose, is by playing these teams. But then when you're playing. Bayern Munich on a Wednesday and Ross County on a Saturday. I suppose that kind of the difference and in that. Can all, be what a are they? Fifty nine unbeaten domestically. Or this something? is the, yeah, what, this what, is what you're describing there, David. Is more or less what the way people talked about Maribor. They have to. Yeah, sort of, yeah, absolutely. They they're the front runners in their league, so mm. they go out to win, and then they go. They turn up on a Tuesday or Wednesday for Champions yeah. League, and it's suddenly let's not concede, which yeah. is football squad mentality. Aren't built, is football squads aren't built that way, no, are they? No. In, 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 oh, so. Moving on to the moving on to the weekend. Yeah, there's there's a London derby. Is there? Now for for those <laughs> for, a London derby. for those of us like me and David that aren't that aren't Londoners. Yeah, there's London derbies every week, and yeah. and and some London derbies are more important than others. I do believe. Right. So where does Spurs versus Palace sit in the importance of London derbies for you? Um, probably be second or third. You know, I'd I'd rather beat Chelsea than Tottenham. Okay, which we've obviously done now, so we can sit on our laws. <laughs> um, I, w- I would also Don't you beat them every season. We do somehow, yeah, and we usually beat them at Stamford Bridge, which is a bit weird. But um, I would say taking pleasure from it, I would rather beat 
Arsenal and Spurs, which again we did last season quite emphatically 3 0. Um, Tottenham, it's just a bit weird going to Wembley, though, isn't it, for a mm. league game? It just doesn't seem right. Um, clearly, they had a few problems acclimatising to it, although they seem to be acclimatised to it when they played you the just other day. Just in time to play Liverpool. Liverpool yeah, brought the nice carpet slippers for them. Yeah. So yes, they get, so well, they that, you know, Lovren did give them a nice present, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, I'd. There are lots of London derbies. We're not very good at them generally. Although, as as I say, we're undefeated in London derbies this season, and that's that's but the do, big do, thing. But are they an event? Because obviously, in Liverpool, not David, really. No, the Merseyside derby. You know, people are shutting the doors on their neighbours and, yeah. and 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 the like. It's, and their brothers it, and their brothers and, and their and their wives and their husbands and whatever. It's it's an event, isn't it? That that the calendar waits for. Everyone dreads and everybody hopes they come out the right side. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I mean, every season, Liverpool fans and Everton fans look out for it, and uh, it's it doesn't. Seem, it's one of those derbies that tends to. It doesn't matter where either one is in the table. I mean, if we played Everton now, as the old cliche goes, the form book goes out the window. So as badly as Everton are doing, you'd still mm. say, oh, they've got every chance because it's a derby, even though off their record against this hasn't been brilliant in recent years. But it's it's yeah, it's one of those games. I think when you've when you've only got that. I mean, obviously, certain people categorised a game with Manchester, Manchester United as a derby. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's more a rivalry derby, obviously. But the I think, I, I, do, yeah, I do wonder if, if in London, whether it's almost a bit of a dilution of rivalries to an extent, because there's just so many teams around that I think you, you appreciate it a bit more. Yeah. It's somewhere like Liverpool where you've got that more just yeah. two-team rivalry. Yeah, because for the, for the not too familiar with the English game, Palace's ri- real derby rival is Brighton. Yeah. Which obviously makes no sense to anyone from north of the Watford Gap. The A23 derby, as they call it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we could go a long way back, but if I just mention Alan Mullery, it explains everything. Um, there was basically a famous that. FA Cup game which went to a replay when they used to have replays, and I think it could have been a second replay at Stamford Bridge. And Alan Mullery um, famously got very hacked off because we won the up. They had a penalty, Brighton. It, it was scored and then the referee pulled it back for encroachment. They then missed it. And Alan Mullery got a £5 note at the end of the game and said, you're worth this and ripped it up, which obviously wasn't that sensible. And ever since then, Palace and Brighton have had this interlinking hatred of each other. Uh, and it grew out of being in the same division, going up together, going down together, staying together. Um, but it's it's pretty serious. Yeah, I mean... You ask any Palace fan, they would rather beat Brighton than any other London team, any other team, pretty much universally. And that's time for a break. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Right then, David, after uh, the cathartic win against Huddersfield, which has banished... Banished all the uh, the demons of crisis away from the club. I think we're on the march to the title again. I think you'll find <laughs> Liverpool ventured to another to an equally noddy ground as as Webley as uh, the London Stadium to uh, play West Ham. Yeah, where where do you think? Because um, Bilic seems is looking at the list of going back to our conversation in the first podcast of the day. Um, Bilic is second favourite to be the next manager out. Which is a bad sign for Liverpool, I guess, David. Yeah, usually. Um, we've, we've had that quite a lot in the past where a manager in crisis has needed a win against Liverpool and got it somehow. Um, but I, I'm pr- even given Liverpool's recent 
troubles. I just can't look at West Ham with any kind of faith that they're going to pull anything out mm. the hat. So I, th- and, and I, th- I don't know if it's coupled with the fact that Liverpool played West Ham away towards the end of last season mm. and it was a really easy uh, win, win for them in the end. Uh, and West Ham are playing worse now than they were then. And so... I'm pretty confident Liverpool are going to go there and, and get something, um, especially because apparently West Ham have got most of their defence out injured. Um, they've only got about two fit centre-backs uh, and not their best ones mm. uh, going into it. But there is obviously that concern, that especially with a, a character like Slavin Bilic. And I like, I like Bilic. He's, he's a good, I think he's a good manager who's just kind of lost a bit, lost track of the team a bit. I'm not entirely sure the signings at the club are necessarily his. Um, a few of the, the people who have come in don't really strike me as Bilic-type players. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure on that side of things, but he's. I think he he can turn around if given mm. enough time, but I, I don't personally see it being on the. Is Saturday. there much love lost between Palace and West Ham? Going back to our London rivalries, uh, my son absolutely hates West Ham for some reason. Um, ma- mainly based on Twitter, obviously, as he's only sixteen. I mean, Kevin Day is a regular visitor to this parish. Yeah, the the idea that they got given a good stadium for nothing seemed to be a bone of contention. Well, isn't that a bone of contention with everyone? I don't think it's much. Really? Uh, I don't like West Ham. We, we said it after the game on Saturday. West Ham fans, you know, they always turn up in you know numbers, but they generally always sing negative songs about the other team. So they were having a go at Zahar. They were telling us we weren't very good because they were winning. They very rarely support their team. In fact, one of the only times that they raised a cheer for one of their own players was when Antonio came on and they were saying, Antonio, <laughs> and guess what he did that in the out, 97th yeah. minute? He handed us the goal, pretty much. So, uh, I, I don't know, uh, West Ham, just, I, I remember Upton Park being a, quite a nasty ground to go to, generally. Mm. It was intense, claustrophobic. Obviously, the London Stadium is pretty much at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. You're so far away, the atmosphere disappears, the only, you know, feisty things that go on is West Ham seem to appear to be punching each other and stewards, and that's about it. Now you see yeah, the um, the Spurs Palace game is yeah. is in in the in the media narrative terms, I guess, is the entree to what will be billed as a Super Sunday, as every other Super Sunday. But yes, I suppose you could argue that four of the top five playing each other is, yeah. a, is a justified. It's a Super Rare Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's better than Monday night football, which I now call Mogadon night football after that Burnley-Newcastle game. And most Monday night games are pretty trashy. I, I, you look back on Monday night games recently, they're all pretty poor. But what's the, I mean, there was an I mean, before we, were, before we started this podcast, there was an argument as to why we should appreciate the Newcastle-Burnley game. It was, Gary Neville said, it was a half-time, um, because the first half had been so drab, there hadn't been any goals. But Neville was making the argument, possibly just to stop people from clicking off, um, of saying, like, we always criticise teams whenever you get two really good attacking teams, but just score loads of goals. We always end up criticising the defence. And can't we just enjoy this game where, all right, the attacks might not be the best, but the defending's been really good, so can't we just appreciate that? And I'm not sure he necessarily believed his own words because it was quite dire. But uh, it was um, I was admirable to see. Do you think someone's writing his material? Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other media, you know, listening to the radio because I didn't actually watch the game, they were they were seriously discussing their best films in the early part of the second half because Leon Osman started mentioning something and the commentator said, "Oh yeah, that's a good film," and off they went. And they were also saying the amount of concession of possession was extraordinary. He said they they reckon it's the worst 
you know, turnover they've ever seen. Literally, one team would give it to the other and they so give it back to So a game of football that is no after you. No after you. No, exactly, yeah. And there was no cohesion, there was no passing. But anyway, so on good defence. So on Sunday then, we've probably got the two extremes then, haven't we? We've got the two teams most likely to only want to attack you. Yeah. And the two teams most likely to want to catch you on, on the attack and counter yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's take Man City Arsenal first. Mm-hmm. And given that in, pre, in a previous show we were discussing the potential for the Invincibles. Yes. Arsenal's run of form since Liverpool beat them has been fantastic, I think yeah, it's safe yeah. to say. Mm. Um, weird as it is, they beat Swansea 2-1 and that was a... Swansea have only conceded one away goal in nine games. So it actually is a, you know, is a good... It was a good result for... Uh, yeah, yeah. And they were 1-0 down, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can, can the Arsenal attack find that... David, I, I possibly, I think, I, I think the game's going to be a perfect example of what what I was saying earlier about about Manchester City and their strengths and weaknesses. In that, I think technically speaking, Arsenal could certainly find a way through. Obviously, the the attacking players they've got are more than capable of getting through. I think Man City's mm. defence, but I just think Man City are too good to let them have enough opportunities to do so. I think it's Man City very much. Even though on paper their defence isn't so great, they're, I think they're, they're certainly this season they've been defending from the front. They've been defending by not letting the opposition have any of the ball and just pounding them into submission. And I, I could see them doing similar against Arsenal to be honest. Because I don't, I, even in spite of the turnaround, I can't ignore what happened at Anfield uh, for Arsenal. And with all you know, due respect to Liverpool, Manchester City are a, a better version of a similar sort of thing. And yeah. so, I, I don't know, I, I could see this being the one where Arsenal regress again to that, possibly, and maybe a bit of Wenger questions coming up on Monday. I was going to say, I was going to lead on to, do you think there's a little bit of muscle memory for Arsenal that they'll see this high-pressure City team yeah. and go, oh my God! Yeah, oh, who, who are these guys? Um, although, you see, I, I find it really obscure. I, I watched an Arsenal game in the Champions League three or four years ago. I think they played Napoli. And Giroud was absolutely super. I just thought I've never seen a better centre forward than that because he had control. He's got pace. He's got vision. He's got part. He scored a goal, but they don't play him, do they? They just—he is nearly always well, on the bench. Spent, was it fifty odd million on Lacazette mm. uh, now? So I think they could feel obliged to play him. Yeah, um, but, but what's he done? He scored a lot of goals in France. Yeah, um, but he's in England now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think I, I, I like Giroud. He's one of those. I do think he's just not consistent enough. Yeah. To be that, everyone always says it about Olivier Giroud. He's not good enough to be a title-winning striker, even though he was a title-winning striker in France with Montpellier. That's why Arsenal signed him in the first place. But I think when he, as you say, when, when he's on his game, when he's at his best, I think he is up there with yeah. some of the best strikers you can see. Unfortunately, it's not. Often enough for them, but, but I think like, in the game like that, his is leading the line, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think is what if we go on to the next game, which is a bit more two two immovable objects going against each other. Yeah. Mourinho wants to use Lukaku as the flat track bully who will just yeah. who's who's told you don't got no defending responsibilities. Mm. Now will and, and then on the other end you've got Morata for uh, for Chelsea. I guess equal role really. He's not a he's not a player that hangs around that comes from deep, is he? No, so, and he, I, I, I've been impressed with Morata. I know he's mm. had a bit of flack, but I think he's, you know, because there's obviously a direct comparison with Costa. Mm. And as someone said, the thing with Costa is he was such an irritating player for, you know, the other team. For everyone else, you yeah. know, he just, Do you think there's he any just wound Do you people think there's up. needle there? Because obviously the, the, the so-called disrespect that Conte showed Mourinho by beating him 4-0, was it last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's not disrespect, is it? That's no. just, you know. <laughs> that's football, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's fair enough. You, 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 you want to nail it as much as possible. But um, I don't know. Morata seems to me a classy player, yeah. but he hasn't got the venom of Acosta. No. And I just think if you played against Costa, he would wind you up. And that's part of the game. Morata wouldn't wind you up. He's just a good player. So, as you say, they are two movable objects meeting each other. I would say, I don't know, it's, it's difficult to say, but I think United are going to win that game. No, I think, I think most eyes are going to be on that game at half past four on Sunday. Yeah. But there will be some eyes at uh, Goodison Park. At least a couple, sure. And uh, <laughs> bring, bring in the mighty Watford on board. Yeah. What's your thoughts? I mean, at this moment, they are in the bottom three. As a Liverpool fan, would it, take, would it give you much pleasure, any pleasure, to see Everton go down? Or is, is, is them being part of the Merseyside derby every season an important part of the football th- for you? I think there would be a certain amount. I mean, the, there's, there's the, the thing which is, is, has been there, which obviously is now getting mentioned far more because they're in a relegation zone about Everton always being in the top flight, never having gone down. I think, it's, is it them and Arsenal? Never been relegated, or, have Yeah, they? Who, have, yeah. Who, have, who have never been out of the top flight. Mm. But, so maybe just to get rid of that, just to say, ah, you've gone down now, ha-ha. But yeah, I would definitely miss the Merseyside derby too much. I just miss them. It's kind of like, they're, they're kind of like, I don't want to patronise them too much for saying they're the annoying little brother. Mm. But it's kind of, yeah, you'd kind of, even if it's just for a season, I think, I think you saw that to an extent with... Um, Newcastle last year when they went down, uh, their man Sunderland both missed each other, and now they're missing each other again because they passed <laughs> uh, on the way down. I but, think we might be missing Sunderland for a while now. Yes, quite possibly. They could be going all the way. I think their, their next derby could be with Hartlepool uh, yeah. rather than Newcastle. So isn't it their record now? Twenty seventeen, they still haven't won a home game. No, no, which is pretty extraordinary. I mean, we were terrible at home for a while under Pardew and since, but to go almost a whole calendar year without winning a home game. Remarkable. It was like the Invincibles, mm. but the other way round. <laughs> the Invincibles. <laughs> the Invincibles. <laughs> and that's been the Whistleblowers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.